Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. It is 1 a.m. Sunday night slash Monday morning when I'm recording this intro and I should be in bed, but I'm not because I want to get this out there for you to listen to because last week we did not have a podcast. We had a, a microphone issue where Hannah's microphone like kind of fell halfway down her face for half the message and I just I couldn't really recover the audio. It sounded too bad. So forgive me. Hopefully you missed us a little last month because I'm sure we are appointment listening at this point, but hopefully you didn't miss us too much and we are back now. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening. It's uh, awesome to know that people out there care about what we're up to. And uh, speaking of that, I wanted to pass along some really cool news. So if you've been paying attention to what we've been doing for any amount of time, you may have heard about our reverse tithe. Um, it's kind of a concept where, you know, most churches kind of teach this concept of tithing where you're supposed to donate uh, 10% of what you make to the local church. And uh, we don't exactly teach that. We're, we just kind of teach to be generous and give when you can. And if that's something that we're going to encourage, we figure we should probably be doing the same thing. So ever since we started, we've been giving away 10% of everything that comes in uh, to local nonprofits. And usually we save up for a couple months so that we have like a significant amount of money to give. And so we just gave away $1,500. A thousand of it went to Reach St. Pete, which is a local organization uh, that helps out um, people experiencing homelessness. We just donated some toys to them. We've done some work with them in the past. Uh, so we were able to bless them with $1,000. And then we also, this one's really cool. We gave $500 to um, a guy who goes to our church. His name is Jeff. He's part of a crew, like a Gasparilla pirate crew. And they are the only crew that is like ADA compliant. So if you are in a wheelchair, you can be a part of this crew and still like get on the float and stuff. Well, their lift broke, and so we donated $500 to help fix it. And uh, it didn't pay for the whole thing, but it paid for a good chunk of it. And I have heard through the grapevine that they got all the money they need, and they're fixing it as we speak. And so they're able to include uh, everybody in their um, crew doings. Uh, so it's really cool that you could like be able to get on the float and be a part of something that you normally couldn't. So we're very proud to have uh, been able to donate to that. Just one announcement for you, and it is if you attend in person or if you're thinking about attending in person for the first time, this coming week is our Christmas extravaganza. We're going to be doing all Christmas music. It's going to be a day full of cheer, and we are encouraging everyone to dress Christmassy. Um, maybe that means... Uh, ugly sweaters, maybe that means you want to dress fancy, uh, whatever, just have some fun, wear some Christmassy stuff, and uh, we're going to sing some Christmas songs and have a great time. Speaking of Christmas, uh, Hannah, take it away. And we are still doing something I like to call Honest Advent, where we talk about Christmas and don't lie or make it shiny and sparkly when it's not, although I do love a good sparkle. <laughs> Um, so we're just going to jump right in. We're going to begin with the words of Mary today in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. This is what she said after the angel is like, hey, you're going to have a baby. No guys involved, just FYI. You're just going to get pregnant. <laughs> and she said this, 
Let it be to me according to your word. Now, I want you to consider this. There was a moment when the presence of God of the universe felt like morning sickness. Don't be surprised if your current uneasiness is the same avenue of presence. (laughs) We're just jumping right in. I said I was going to jump right in. Uh, Nothing can ruin the euphoria of finding out you're pregnant faster than the need to vomit. Ask me how I know. (laughs) Uh, It's called morning sickness, although it can happen at any point of the day, last all day, strike at any point during your pregnancy. Four out of five women experience it during their first trimester, or if you're especially blessed like I am, you can get it every single day for nine months straight. Yeah, feel sad for me, because I was sad for nine months. (laughs) There are so many theories about why this happens, like... One is, well, you have all these extra hormones in your body, so that could be making you sick. Your body is attempting to build a placenta, which will, like, give a baby life until it's born. That's a really hard task. You have a reduced blood sugar. That could be making you nauseous. Um, Or it could just be a learned biological strategy that your body uses to, like, protect you from harmful substances you might eat while growing a human. So, you know, it's basically like if you are not a person who has birthed a human, um, it's like a constant hangover but no fun part. <laughs> There's no part where you're like, woo, at the beginning. No. The one part. <laughs> well, okay, Jared. <laughs> if you're watching online or listening to the podcast, now I feel like I have to explain why everyone's laughing. <laughs> Jared said, well, there's one fun part. <laughs> it's the part the guy participates in. Or, you know, if you're an LGBT person or any kind of other person who is birthing a human, it's even less fun, probably. You're going to get inseminated. <laughs> so, you know, you just welcome to a different church. We talk about that from stage. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do not know how to get back on track now. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable, is what I'm saying. But it's discomfort that leads you to new life. And it's bearable only because there will be a baby coming, right? And we don't find this written in the Bible because Mary did not write the Bible but statistically, very likely that she experienced morning sickness at some point during her pregnancy. And I could just imagine the moment it hit. Like, she's off this spiritual high of an angel coming to visit her and tell her she's going to give birth to the Savior of the world, and then, (laughs) welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the awful, queasy feeling of having to go through the physical details of your divine appointment. And that's the rub, isn't it? The announcement that you're going to grow and new life is going to happen um, is always uneasy because growth never comes through easiness. It comes through stretching and expanding of our own capacities. And often, the change that's needed for us to grow might leave you dry heaving on the sidelines. (laughs) And I think Christmas is just so glossy and beautiful, and we see these beautiful paintings of Mary holding a perfectly grown, like, toddler, pretty much. Not, definitely not a newborn. That's not what they look like. Um, and they're just so shiny and so perfect, and there's no mention of how much it sucked to be pregnant, especially then. Do you know what Mary didn't have? Vitamin B6 that she could take four times a day. <laughs> she didn't have, like, C-bands that she could wear on her wrist. I could keep going. There's a long list of things that you can try. I can even look at ginger tea now, just so you know. And we think that uneasiness means we're doing it wrong. 
Like that feeling where like, mm, something's wrong, I gotta escape this. That means something's not right. But the uneasiness might actually be a sign you're on the right track. Just as with pregnancy. And we have not been taught how to handle this. Our frustration tolerance as a culture, and especially in church, low. Like so low, okay? We don't learn very many new things as adults. And if we do, we tend to make them easy things that make us feel happy when we learn them. Kids have to learn new things all the time. Like they see us being so capable. Like look at us, we know how to tie shoes. We know how to drink from a cup without spilling it. We know how to add numbers. We know how to say words and read them. In fact, we don't have to sound everything out when we read it. From their point of view, we are doing all of this effortlessly. We are like magical in our ability to do things perfectly. And we don't remember how frustrating it was to learn all those things. This might be a very silly example, but like every once in a while, someone's like, could you teach me how to knit or crochet? which I would love to do, but most adults are not prepared for how hard it is. Um, you, we don't, you have to build up new muscle memory. Your hands won't get the motions right away. You're probably gonna drop some stitches. You can't read your knitting. Um, your pieces that you make are probably gonna be full of holes and a little wonky at first. And most people quit before they barely begun out of frustration that it's not perfect. That it doesn't look, like, look nice. In video gaming, we call this rage quitting. <laughs> and when we are forced in, as adults into learning new things, we rage quit them. We throw adult-sized temper tantrums. We get into this state of dysregulation because our frustration tolerance is so low. We have bought into the lie that things should be easy, especially if God has called us to them. We're like, oh, God told me to do this? wide is the gate. <laughs> the Lord will bless me and highly favor me, and I will just be able to walk no problems. I'm feeling blessed, never stressed. <laughs> the difficulty in letting God grow you, right, is that we just don't know what the outcome looks like. Like, if I do a bunch of sit-ups, I might have a picture in my mind. At some day, if I keep doing this many sit-ups, of what my abs will look like. But when you ask the giver of life and you say, I want my life to be meaningful, I want to serve you with my life, may it be to me according to what you've said, like Mary said. Uh, you have no idea what secret cosmic strategies have just been set into motion to give you the answer to your request. Uh, you may very well find yourself in an uneasy situation just like everyone in the Bible. Look at the chorus of human beings in the Christmas story and the same song is sung by all of them. What's happening? <laughs> Is this okay? <laughs> um, just they're, they're invited to trust in the goodness of God in all the uneasy situations, just as we are invited to sing that same song. The only difference is we get to see their whole story played out, beginning to end. And we're like, yeah, God was there. Got it. We're in the middle of our story, and we don't know if it's a catchy tune or a disaster. <laughs> it partly... We ask this question, like we all ask this question, I think, when we run into uneasy situations or things that really stretch us or challenge us, and our question to God is always, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> um, mostly we're like checking to see if God has gotten distracted by more pressing global concerns and like just left us to fend for ourselves. We're like, are you paying attention? And partly 
we're just expressing our disappointment that our request that God do what God wants in our lives has not brought about the peace and joyousness that we hoped for. Like, if you ask a pregnant mom who's hugging a toilet why it's worth it, she's going to be like, because I love this baby. (laughs) (laughs) I love this baby. That's true, though. It's worth it because she loves the baby. Like, if you ask me every day for nine months why it was worth it, I'd say, because I love this baby. I prayed for this baby. (sighs) She's a year old. I'm definitely up in my feelings about that. Like, I hated being pregnant, like top one least favorite thing I've ever done in my life. And I would do it again in a heartbeat because it gave me the greatest gift I've ever gotten in my life. Why do we go through the frustration and the nausea of growing? For love, right? Because it's worth something because you're going to get a gift that's worth something amazing at the end. Just like morning sickness, the unease you feel is actually possibly a strategy of the soul to protect you from doing all the things as usual, from doing things that could harm the new life that's growing inside of you, the new you that's emerging. It's for love that you get moved from what's known to what's unknown. It's for love that you get moved from your comfortable perch so that you can be enlarged by a new perspective. It's for love that you, everything that you feel safe in gets cracked so that the love and the hope can expand and have more room. It might just be that the divine presence of God that you're looking for, you can find it in your present uneasiness. Instead of missing the invitation by trying to just resolve everything prematurely, Try to center yourself instead with one of these three questions, or all of them. You can screenshot it if you want to revisit this later. What is a conversation that I can only have by being in this situation? What parts of my life have I been able to uncover only by finding myself here? What unexpected place might God want to meet me And I think if we ask these questions, we can offer a perspective, a different perspective, back to this that we feel sometimes. Because after all of our anxiety and pondering and stressing and ruminating and wondering, we still actually don't know how any of this works. Like, what is God's sovereignty? We don't know. Like, we could try. We can books, millions of pages have been written about it. So many boring lectures. So many not boring sermons. (laughs) And guess what? We still have no idea. We still don't know what's free will and what might be predetermined. We, still, we don't even know if that's the right way of categorizing the topic to begin with. We're just trying to apply words to it so we can have some sense of stability when we're talking about something utterly unexplainable. All we know is that the divine is really, really, really detailed in its working with us. And I think throughout our lives, we're going to encounter paradoxes, which is like two seemingly contradicting things existing in one space. Like, for example, a catch-22, where someone needs something that can only be had by not needing it. Or the omnipotence paradox, which is like, if you're an all-powerful being, can you create a rock that is too heavy for you, the all-powerful being, to lift? (laughs) Or my personal favorite, you can't have a job because you don't have experience, but also you can't get experience because you can't have a job. (laughs) These are all paradoxes. (laughs) 
I think at the heart of the story of Jesus and the story of Advent, the story of Christmas, is a mystery. Like two seemingly contradicting truths existing in one space and time. Jesus, fully God, fully human. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> no, and we have such a hard time wrapping our minds around it. And your transformation in life will be a paradox too. There are parts where you have a choice and there are parts where you're not in control of any of it. It's less about mustering up the strength to like accomplish it and get it done and more about just being open to the paradox and being open to the transformation that God might want to do in you. And we often think that when we're in hard moments and uneasy moments and stressful moments and it's just it's all in our tummy and we feel bad, that what we need to hear is a detailed plan for how it's going to work out. Like if we just knew the next 17 steps, we could be like, ah, my anxiety is at ease. No. <laughs> don't ask me how I know. What we don't need to hear is a detailed plan for how it's going to work out. What we need is to know that we are seen and known fully the whole time by God and by other people. There's a section in the Bible where John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin, says, sees him like walking down the street, and he's like, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, which is an odd thing to say about your cousin. <laughs> in Revelation, there's a line that says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was and who is and who is to come. And I think it's the who that catches my attention, not the band. That one was just for Jarrett. I'm so glad he laughed. <laughs> the who, the who who has been a part of everything up until now. The who, who nothing has escaped their notice. The who who comes into this universe and this time in this world as the lamb who takes away the sins of the world and the who who comes to us personally to answer our deepest question because I think our actual deepest question is not what is the theological meaning of Christmas? Our question is actually, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Is someone paying attention? But maybe we should narrow our focus and ask this question. What is the only honest conversation I could have by being in this circumstance? Because God's waiting in the conversation. And while you're, we're thinking of this conversation, thinking of what, can, what is the only honest place I can find myself right now, we have to remember to breathe. Breathe in, breathe out. There's a word for breath um, in Hebrew. It's called ruach. It's the same word that's used for wind and breath and spirit. That's a big word. We have three words, all separate. I think paying attention to breathing is like at the center of any mindfulness practice or like centering yourself. The first thing people say is like, well, remember to breathe. Because why? Our minds love to distract us by like obsessing about the past or um, going in circles about the future or just being like, here's one line of a song and you can't remember the rest. And here's next week's weather report. It's probably going to be wrong. Like just constant all the time. And focusing on the movement of breath in and out of our bodies, it helps us it like anchors us to a moment, this moment in time. And when we think about the word for breath in Hebrew, it's the same word for all these three things. And to participate in the world with seen and unseen, and it's to breathe in and out the air that gives life to our bodies 
and the spirit that gives life to our souls at the same time. Y'all can come back up. One place I did not expect to meet God was in the lungs of a baby. There's kind of something amazing about holding like a tiny sleeping baby on your chest. Like you can't do anything. You're trapped. You're nap trapped. And you just feel, you just have to sit there and feel their little lungs going in and out, in and out, partaking in the same sacred rhythm that we all do without thinking about it every single day. Recently, when Josiah and I were out of town, Nova decided to cry inconsolably at 3 a.m. I wrote this, like, this little paragraph a while ago. Since Thanksgiving, she's working on four teeth. She's gotten three. So basically what I'm saying is she's ruining my life. Um, and she, sleep is, she's not sleeping. <laughs> so she's fallen asleep on me many times in the last few weeks. But when I wrote those words, it had been a while. Like she'd been sleeping in her crib so delightfully. I was so happy and she was inconsolable. Like would not be put down, just weeping. Like you would think someone was trying to murder this baby instead of love her and care for her and change her diaper and clothe her and feed her. No, she was being murdered at 3 a.m. <laughs> the only way she calmed down was on, like flat on my chest with her head under my chin and holding my nose <laughs> for three hours. And I was so tired and so cranky. And yet, like, I'm going to remember that forever, I think. Like, she just, she just slept on me on my chest for three hours, her little lungs going in and out, in and out, in and out. And my breath was matching hers, almost unconsciously, right? And I think there's something sacred about that. When we can control our breathing, sometimes, but mostly it's an involuntary action. You can't control your heartbeat. It just helps you live while your attention is elsewhere. You can try to control your breathing, but mostly just helps you live while your attention is elsewhere. So much of living is not up to our own willpower. Imagine being Mary or Joseph, holding their new little baby, silently listening together to his little breaths in and out, in and out, three breaths, a new little family. And what does it say about God, a God who is willing to be that present with us? a God who's everywhere at once, and yet who has been present with humanity in a box, in the Ark of the Covenant, and in a body, a tiny little baby body, and in a blessing with the sacred cup and the cross, a God the world literally cannot contain, who is present with us in our breathing, in the very thing that we can't live without and we can't control without even thinking about it. And God is there too. We're going to do communion today. And depending on what faith tradition you may come from, you might know this as the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. And however you used to do it, I'm just going to have to let that go. <laughs> I have a table in the back. There's a little tray of bread. Please only touch the piece that you are going to put in your mouth. <laughs> and there's little cups. It's juice suitable for children of all ages. 
you can go whenever you feel comfortable. We have two more songs. Gonna, the band is going to play. Um, what I want to say is, I know this is kind of a big deal for some people. Like maybe you've been told you can't have communion in your life for whatever reason. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. Who you are is not accepted here. Who you are is accepted here. Not because of anything I say, because that's what God says. Who you are is beautiful. Who you are is valuable. Who you are is magical. And you deserve to know that God is as present with you in your current uneasiness and your future transformation and your past that maybe you wish you could change as God is in a bite of bread and a sip of juice. There's also no pressure, so if you don't feel comfortable, don't do it. No one's going to force you. But there is no limitations. There's no one to tell you you can't partake. So I'm just going to say the words, and then the band will play. And as you feel comfortable, go, and then come back to your seat, and we'll sing together. So when Jesus was with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. And I'll add the body that started with a teeny tiny little crying baby that made Mary sick. This is God's body broken for you. And then he took the cup and he drank it and said, this is my blood shed for you. The same blood that Mary grew in her womb. Thanks be to God. <laughs>